Hi, I'm Shamar Griffith, codename Comic Shams. And I'm Andrew Tejada, codename Arate. I'm a blurred with a love for artwork and comics and animation. And I'm a writer and blurred with a love for pretty much the same things. We grew up together and spent much of our formative years watching and talking about DC superhero shows and content. In fact, we still do. Every episode, we will discuss a DC production, compare it to its original source material, and share our thoughts on the adaptation. We've enjoyed our conversations these past couple of decades, and we think you will too. This season, we're looking at 16 years of DC animated movies to see which stories are sweet and which ones are sour on yet another DC animated podcast, part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Welcome to yet another episode of yet another DC animated podcast. My name is Shamar Griffith, codename Comic Shams. And I am Andrew Tejada, codename Arate. Andrew and I have known each other since 1996. That is the year on Doom Patrol that Cyborg was born. That's the canonical birth year of Cyborg on Doom Patrol specifically. I don't know about the actual canon. <laughs> okay, okay. No, no. I've, I'm, I'm feeling good and bad about that because at the same time, he's telling me that we're older than Cyborg. <laughs> We've got more uh, yes. life experience than the, than the Cyborg. <laughs> yeah, but he has a whole living computer trap to him. So it, it, it's a fair, it's fair. Let him, let him do it. Okay. Okay. Cool. I mean, we it's true. We did make it through life without getting computer parts attached to us, as far as I can tell. Um, I mean, my phone's always glued to my right. Yeah, my phone's always glued to my hand. Who knows? (laughs) (laughs) But we're talking about Cyborg because he is a member of the team that we're going to be talking about today in our film Justice League Doom. Oh, I see what you did there. Doom Patrol. And then he's a part <laughs> yeah. of Justice League. Okay. It worked okay. double. It worked double. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, we're here talking about Justice League Doom. At a runtime of 77 minutes, Lauren Montgomery directs this 2012 standalone sequel to A Crisis on Two Earths. So we're still going through with our sweet and sour season. But also, it's a nice callback to our Cross the DC verse month. So um, if you haven't heard Crisis on Two Earths, Probably pause right here, head on back. Nothing translates over, but, you know, listen to us more. (laughs) This is based on the Tower of Babel story arc from Mark Way from the JLA comics. Uh, More importantly, Dwayne McDuffie wrote the screenplay for this adaptation of the comic uh, right prior to his death in 2011. So pour one out to our boy McDuffie as always. Just to mindset, once again, this is a PG-13 film, so there will be gore. There will be, um, as we've seen in the last couple episodes, probably some showings of body parts that maybe are just randomly shown at times. But again, PG-13. The plot of today's film is a popular one in superhero storytelling, made famous by the tagline of Who Watches the Watchmen? However, I feel like this time we're going a little bit a step further to feel like we're going to not only show you that we watched them, but we also got plans to take them down. <laughs> oh, yeah. We beat up the Watchmen. It's on site for the Watchmen. So our cast list is pretty much the same. It is early DC animation. Andrea Romano knew how to pick a squad. So I'll just talk about the new voices that we have here. Um, starting with first a not-so-new voice with Bumper Robinson, who's continuing to collect that DC animation paycheck as he is voicing Cyborg in our film today. 
from Farscape and Stargate SG-1. Claudia Black lends her voice to Cheetah, a voice you'll also recognize in video games as Chloe Frazier from the Uncharted series, as well as Tess Everest from Destiny. Oh, that's where I recognize her from. Chloe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I rec- recognize it from Destiny. We played two different games. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Same system, different game. <laughs> uh, next up, to go through this voice actor's resume, honestly, will take the entire length of this podcast episode and probably a season of our podcast as well. So I'll just say this. Andrew, if you had to guess, which DC character in this film had a connection to cartoon characters like Rocco from Rocco's Modern Life, Ricochet from Mucha Lucha, and finally, Mr. Crocker from Fairly Odd Parents? Uh, Michael Rosenbaum. Nope. nope. <laughs> but that would be actually a good guess. Michael Rosenbaum has a pretty good voice. Um, nope, because today we have Carlos Alazraki, who is voicing Bane. In our film today, that natural transition from Lucha Lucha to Bane, I I feel it. I I, yeah. I think that was yeah. well earned. <laughs> Not so much for Mister Crocker though. <laughs> no, no, that one I I can't explain. <laughs> uh, for our Star Wars fans, Luminara Unduli is here as we have Olivia Diablo voicing Star Staff- Sapphire. Sometime in between being a wizard private investigator on the Dresden Files and then later the Arrowverse chief of police slash deputy mayor of Star City, Paul Blackthorne voiced Metallo here in our film today. And finally, making a name for himself in DC fan households since like his time as the Martian Manhunter on Smallville and then later as the worst dad of the century, bringing him back full circle as Silas Stone on Doom Patrol. Phil Morris is here as the villainous Vandal Savage. Nice. Nice. I, I love it. Just going all the way around. <laughs> we're going to take you around in circles, but we're going to try to exit out from now that we have our cast list sets. We have the stats of our film. Let's boom tube over to the beginning of our film. That is Justice League Doom. After the credits confirmed that Batman is six foot, ladies. Um... <laughs> All I don't know why that stuck out. <laughs> it was just like Batman, six foot. Like, did you put that in? Was that he for did. your tendered Batman? My Jesus, man definitely like, got Catwoman. some like platforms on his boots. So, oh yeah, he's got some lifts. We know. Um, so after the credit sequence, we uh, which cleverly has a little graphic of files transferring with all the Justice League logos, we get to Batman investigating. One of my favorite side groups in the DC universe, the Royal Flush Gang, they're always changing up their roster. They always are ridiculous. You got one person whose cards are sharper than gambits, like they can cut through steel. (laughs) How do they cut through her when she's throwing them is the biggest card trick of them all. But they are pulling off a standard robbery with some extra dimensional tech. They've broken into the world's largest museum as we'll find out very soon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that also holds diamonds? I don't, I don't get it. I don't really it holds it. everything. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, during the robbery, Jack, with his laser beam eye, as he always has, I think, uh, spots Batman and starts attacking. And this immediately leans into a 
again, I also really love the Royal Flush Gang. I think it's just so cool, again, that their roster changes. Also, let's be honest, the Queen is the one that really runs the gang. They're like, even though they're leaning into the credit, the card, that the playing cards trick is more of a chess thing. So as they are fighting against Batman, Batman is on comms with the rest of the Justice League. They're asking him, do you need help? Do you need assistance? And of course, Batman being so proud, just says no until ultimately they just show up. And this leads into a big battle between the Justice League where we have um, Superman, we have uh, Wonder Woman, Flash, Green Lantern, Martian Manhunter is also present, I believe. And they're all just backing up Batman and they all separate off into their own battles with um, Flash and Batman teaming up to take down Jack. We have Wonder Woman who is chasing after um, Queen. Uh, Martian Manhunter also, I believe, tries to chase after King, I believe. And then finally, the craziest one of all, um, Superman goes off against Ace, who is the big burly dude of the Royal Flush Gang. And this is all because apparently Superman has beef with Ace because the last time they fought, Superman got sucker punched. Yeah, and there's room for them to do this because apparently whatever facility they're in is bigger than most baseball stadiums. <laughs> I would I would guess, I would wager that this is bigger than like the White House and maybe like DC. This this museum is huge because they wait like DC lot. the state. Or are we talking about like DC the entire multiverse? <laughs> I'm talking about the whole province, but it could it, it has competition to hold the multiverse because this thing is large. But what makes up for this leap of logic is that the fights are enjoyable. We get. Um, with, Su- with Superman's rematch against Ace, he hits him with what I like to call the Homelander special, where you just go into somebody's <laughs> stomach and just rip them apart. Um, it's a robot, so it's okay. You know, I was but... I was a little worried, though. I was like, <laughs> um, if it wasn't for the fact I saw a wire come out, I was like, okay, cool. Superman just unalived someone in our PG-13 film. Got it. Yeah, you good. You good, Sue? <laughs> <laughs> um. And yeah, everyone's doing pretty well. Wonder Woman gets defeats Queen with the cards. Green Lantern takes out 10. Uh, Martian Manhunter unfortunately can't keep up with King, leaving Flash and Batman to deal with Jack, who is just taken over with these lasers. These lasers are so OP. Mm-hmm. And it's just one eye. That's the crazy part. Like we have Superman <laughs> with two dark side with, the, with his two Omega beams. This dude is able to t- make sure to keep ha- hold his own against Batman and Flash. Ultimately, they decide that it's best for them to um, try this trick where Batman attempts to attack Jack and then Flash will just uh, phase through the wall and sucker punch him in the back of the head. This all works out. Everybody gets captured except for one person who does try to escape. And as they escape, try to get through the... Um, the wall that wasn't there, they're immediately left by met by the um the clothesline that is cyborg who knocks them out right on the spot as he tries to escape as the whole Justice League converges outside with the whole entire Royal Flush gang tied up. Now I, I do love this interaction because you know after watching Green Lantern last week, you don't know what kind of Green Lantern you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. Now this Green Lantern is a true, true blue cop. 
because he's ready to just punch the shit. (laughs) (laughs) He is ready to interrogate this person with so much violence. And Wonder Woman's like, yo, we could we could just use the lasso truth, like chill. <laughs> or our own mind reader that we had exactly. Here. They had options, but they interrogate and they find out that even the Royal Flush Gang doesn't know where they got this crazy tech from. So Batman, he wants to continue the mission, but he has been injured. They tell him you should sleep, you should use our recovery beam. And Batman's like, no. And he he goes away with the most extra grappling hook I've ever seen Batman use. Grappling into a forest. It's like, I'm is your car on the other side of that forest? Or did you just do that to be extra? I think the second one. Um, <laughs> but he gets into the Batmobile where he briefly sees a face, but no one's in there. And he goes to the cave to meet the snarkiest Alfred I have seen in a very long time. Mm-hmm. You know, I would say that we need a movie or a show dedicated to Alfred. And then I remember we have Pennyworth. So <laughs> just, <laughs> yeah. um, I, I guess it's there. I, I, I have to watch it. I didn't have epics. We're working on it. Um, it's on HBO so, Max now. Not, all right, let's go. not sponsored. <laughs> <laughs> so now that uh, Batman has returned back to the cave, um, he and Alfred go about their ways. And this is where we see that someone magically appears in in the bat car, the Batmobile, bat car, <laughs> in the Batmobile, and exits out. He immediately, it's Mirror Master. It's just like very, it's weird because like I do not like the design of Mirror Master in this film. <laughs> it's just like a weird setup for me because he he's in his hologram form, as they call it, and. As he's hacking into the back computer, this is where he's on the line with somebody else. He's telling him, you know, like, if you want to, if you want me to, I could just take out Batman right now. He's the person on the other line saying, nope, don't worry about it. We have other plans for him. And now we see that Mirror Master has apparently basically stolen something, downloaded something off the back computer and makes his escape. This all gets pushed to the side for a brief second as we hop over to a swampland kind of forest. We see that Bane is walking through. He's got the swagger, um, even though I'm pretty sure it's like a billion degrees outside. And he comes to face to face with a croc, not kill a croc, just a croc. This is one of the most unnecessary scenes (laughs) in any DC movie. I have ever seen where he has to just fight a crocodile and and like bane up um, get some venom injections do I love it yes I do of course I do stop asking but why why is this you know because we need to know that bane's the type of person where if you fuck around you will find out and he proves it in the first five minutes of this film oh man I um I'm not gonna lie, Bane is actually my favorite character in this entire film. <laughs> it was this shit that he was doing just was wild. But he ends up meeting up with um, Star Sapphire, who tells him that you know we're all going to be meeting up soon as they head into um, the remnants of Brainiac for 
people out there, they know this is like the Legion of Doom headquarters. This has been done so many times in animation, mostly in late, later stuff. Um, but there he meets up with Bay, um, with Cheetah, Star Sapphire, Metallo, Mirror Master. Um, I promise this isn't a curse word, but Ma'ala Fa'ak. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then finally, the mastermind behind this entire plan Vandal Savage. Yes, he is offering 10 mil each mm-hmm. to take out a member of the Justice League. Uh, yeah, 10 mil to take out a, each member of the Justice League. And plus, and he also already paid them too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he just paid them 10 mil just to arrive. And I do like how he said, What if we would have walked away? And he was like, you would have lived your very short lives as rich people, <laughs> which is fair. Mm-hmm. Um, so now he's offering a hundred mil bonus um, per head of the Justice League, and he's going to put you on the payroll of the Legion of Doom if you just follow his instructions um, to take out the Justice League. And they're like, "Okay, this is a crazy endeavor." And he's like, "Yeah, I've been building up money for thousands of years. Don't worry about it." And they're like, what's the end game? He's like, oh, I'll tell you later, but just just take care of this now. So movie wastes no time where we cut to Bruce Wayne finds out his parents' caskets are gone. The graves have been defiled. And when he goes there, he finds a guy under an umbrella saying, oh, you'll no say. And Batman is shocked. The world's greatest detective is shocked to turn around and find Bane is kicking him into a grave. Mm-hmm. Again, Bane, he making the most Jack character because just for the for the ego alone, as he's just putting the work on Bruce, you know, but, you know, we had to cut because, again, this is a PG-13, it was rated R. I feel like we would have seen the full extent uh, because we have to see what's happening with the rest of the leaguers as we see that Martian Manhunter is celebrating his birthday. Well, at least in his human form is John Jones. As he's there, he's he's a cop. Um, he was surprised at a bar by his co-workers, his partner, and someone that may seem to be interested in him. As they bring him a cake, and as they are about to sing him happy birthday, he sees all the fire on the candles and immediately blows it out. This is because Martians don't like fire. Um, it's an understandable thing. It's just like, it's something for him. It's a weakness that he has. It's basically his version of kryptonite. So at first, they are just like a little shocked that one, he didn't know that they were going to surprise him. But two, the fact that they blew that he blew out the candle so quickly. But that all gets put on pause as a drink comes his way from the bartender. And the bartender tells him that the woman at the end of the bar is the one who gave him the drink. Yeah, but unfortunately, he is being catfished because that mm. is actually his Martian enemy. Um, I, I was going to say Malekith, but that's not even remotely. <laughs> <correct>. <laughs> yeah, uh, we promise we're not Mal. cursing. <laughs> yeah, we just call him Mal. <laughs> sure. He yeah. does actually get called Mal in the Young Justice series, I believe. So I think we're good. Um, Perfect. Yeah, Mal lets him know he really should have drank that drink. So while he's not, while he hasn't realized what the results of that are, we cut to Wonder Woman 
doing what she does best, fighting Cheetah. And during the fight, she realizes that Cheetah is multiplying. And it seems like there's a hundred Cheetahs to deal with. And she can't beat them fast enough. But um, as and no matter what she tries to defeat them, there's just more Cheetahs coming by the moment. And there's really nothing she can do. And that leaves us to our next candidate, Mr. Flash. So, yeah, Barry Allen is um, not in his uniform. He's in his cop uniform now as a CSI. He's investigating a... um, He's investigating definitely what looks like a traffic accident where someone has unfortunately lost their life due to drinking while driving. Um, But then he's pointing out that some things just don't add up where it's just like, it seems like there's foul play. And it's like, I really wanted to hear more about the investigation on this story. I really did. But he gets the call that Mirror Master has taken over um, a monorail and um, he decides to pack it all up because Mirror Master, knowing him, that robbery is going to turn into a crime scene. So he runs on over to catch up with the train. He's in there. And this is where he learns, honestly, that this is this is a lot of story. <laughs> that was just like, I would love to play <laughs> out in the comic, to be honest, because like he finds out that the train is carrying old money that's being taken in to get destroyed. I didn't know they did that. Because mm-hmm. it would explain inflation a little bit. <laughs> um, but as um, the cops are being held down, the Flash saves them all. He eventually comes up face to face with multiple versions of Mirror Master, which he all t- he takes them out pretty much pretty easily. But then there's one final one who's holding a woman hostage inside of a box. And he tells Flash that in order to save this woman, he needs to go put his hand into the box and use a code to unlock it and as flash was getting ready to do so a like bear trap like device clamps onto his hand and this is where mirror master tells him that this is a bomb that now he has to keep moving at a certain speed um he has to keep moving at the speed he's going at or higher otherwise the bomb will explode killing everyone in a three mile radius and i'm mad that this plan is basically the plot of speed yeah, yeah, it basically is. <laughs> Only, yeah, no, actually, less steps. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's you just didn't hire Keanu. I mean, I totally understand. It, I don't know why, but like, yeah, this is basically speed. But, um, yeah, Flash keeps on running as we hop on over to our next candidate, which is Green Lantern. Yeah, and in a weird, in a weird setup. They call Green Lantern to do an ex- to deal with a hostage situation in a salt mine, which was like, all right, I don't know specifically why you'd call Green Lantern for this as opposed mm. to anybody else, but all right. And he finds that there are these disgruntled workers. They want to just terrorize the mine. Um, so Green Lantern goes in there and he's just taking care of things. He's blazing through. No one's really a problem for him whatsoever. Um, But we know something bad is coming around the tunnel, which we will get to after we deal with the one who gets it the absolute worst. Um, John Jones, Martian Manhunter. We finally find out the chemical is something that once he sweats out, it makes him very flammable. So... 
Mal lights green Marsh Mal lights Martian Manhunter on fire, prompting him to turn into Martian form. Which I love that all his co-workers are completely cool with it. Like, they're right. just like, oh, you're a Martian. Oh, shit. All right, let's put that fire out, though. Um, but extinguishers, blankets, none of it works. Martian Manhunter, Martian Manhunter keeps burning. And now, before you can find out what happened to him, we have to cut to Superman. Yes, because we're in Metropolis now on the roof of the daily planet everyone is watching as there is someone at the very top um looking like he's about to jump lois lane and jimmy olsen are there they're um reporting on what's happening and this is when lois decides that she needs to call clark which now it seems like she also knows in this film that he's also superman so after she calls him um clark leaves his like press conference to Don his costume, he flies on over to Metropolis, and there he has a conversation with our with the former employee Henry Ackerman, who we find out during the film that he is a person that was on like the I think he was like the White House briefing kind of work. And unfortunately, due to downsizing, they basically got rid of his entire department. And the two of them have a pretty open conversation about their worth in society their worth as individuals and then eventually you know all the work that they put in to stand up for truth and justice and superman is really like bonding with him and eventually um ackerman unfortunately pulls a gun and continues to point it as his head and this leads the the conversation again into a even higher moment but we gotta jump back to find out what's happening with everybody else first to see what's happening to the effects of all of these plans that have been put into place to take them out, starting with Wonder Woman, who, again, is seeing multiple cheetahs, and we find out she is fighting against every single one of them. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, she she kind of knows about this point that they can't all be cheetah, but she's still throwing hands. It doesn't matter. Right? <laughs> her hands are free 99 for everyone. And so her fight continues, and we cut to, back to Hal in the mine where he's trying to now he's gotten to the last, the most inner part of the cave. He sees someone who reminds him of his love interest, Carol, at gunpoint, and he wants to save her from a trigger man, but he's too late. The trigger man ex- lets everything explode. Everyone in the mine except Green Lantern dies. And right when he's at his lowest point, Star Sapphire comes in and says, look, doesn't she look like me? How you failed to save me? How you failed to be there? And this revelation, his guilt, his feeling about everybody he just let down, breaks his will. He drops the ring and is in left in the cave, just in limbo, wondering what's going to happen next. Mm-hmm. Now... We've seen all our heroes been systematically taken down almost in some way um, because we have to now we go back over to Superman where it's revealed now that Henry Ackerman, even though he's convinced to put the gun down, he's actually not Henry Ackerman. He is actually Metallo and he takes that gun 
shoots Superman point blank into the chest, causing him to fall to the ground as we realize that Superman has been shot by a kryptonite bullet. Now, I do want to say this real quick. Um, so far in this season, we've seen two moments of Metallo, one in Public Enemies and now here. Metallo's the win count against Superman is phenomenal so far. I'm not going to oh. lie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like oh, both yeah. times. Both times with the same method? Um, Superman falls to the ground with a sudden thud, causing everyone to scramble because they're wondering how do we save um, our man from tomorrow? As we all also wonder that because we have to head on over to Gotham once again as Bruce Wayne finally wakes up after getting pummeled by, by Bane, who has told him in many times that in the past, he broke the bat, but today he's going to break the man. Yeah, he takes that, I'm going to put you six feet under phrase, literally, and buries Batman in the coffins with his parents. <sighs> Jesus, Bane. Jesus. <laughs> and leaves Batman to die, which, of course, is his biggest mistake. But he doesn't know what that what he messed up. He doesn't know how he messed up yet because now all the supervillains are doing a victory lap. They're drinking champagne. They're happy they've won. And Vandal goes, not to kill the mood or anything, but my next stage of plans might be a little uh, genocidal. <laughs> and they're like, what the hell are you talking about, bro? And he says, two-thirds of the world is going to go. Because Vandal Savage goes into his history, 80,000 years ago, he slept near a meteor, which granted him immortality. So he's been alive, but he remembers that when the population was low, when it had just suffered a crisis, he was able to unite everybody behind him. So he wants to do that again and, and do that by messing up the earth again. And to definitely solidify that he is not to be messed with. He invites someone to try to kill him. Cheetah slices his throat, falls to the ground in a very gruesome manner, but he gets right back up and smacks Cheetah for good measure. <laughs> you asked her to do this. Right? Um, <laughs> so he, he reveals this plan that he's going to cause a solar flare to hit Earth and take out a good portion of the world and whatever's left he says the villains can divvy up amongst themselves and hold their territories my question to you how many of these villains realistically can hold domain over any part of earth <laughs> none i would probably give it to you. maybe like actually you know i take that back <clears throat> i'll give it to bane i think bane could do it i think this yeah. version of bane could hold hold some shit down um Mirror Master Hell to know. It's no. like, no, absolutely not. Um, Star Sapphire, I, I think she could, but to be honest, they made her to seem more as just like, she's just here to kill Hal Jordan. I feel like what she's done, she's going to retire. She's going to go to a planet maybe where it's just like she could just farm, you know, pull the whole Thanos retirement plan. Like, she, she's not in this for like total world domination. She just wants to kill Hal. Like, that's yeah. it. I, I think that, yeah, 
Bane is realistically the only one I could think of. Will Malafaek or Mal even want to stay on Earth if it's like destroyed? No, right. And I don't so, know what Metallo's. Does Metallo need money? Isn't he a robot? Is Kryptonite expensive? I don't even know. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I feel like once you and got you a good piece, you're good. Right, exactly. I'll just like, again, a retirement plan would just be to just stock up so you can live a little extra. Yeah, I don't think anybody has what it takes or even wants to really have like lead a crime. Like this, it, this was the wrong group of heroes, villains to talk to about this. Bring up some like Gotham villains or something. They'd be 100% behind this plan. Yeah, but I, I do give it to, he didn't want anyone too crazy. Like he didn't want Joker or Lex Luthor there mm. because they might have undermined him at some point or like gone That's against true. his plan. But so he had to get like dumber villains because <laughs> <laughs> they definitely did not think this through. Um, but they all agree to go along with the plan. And while they're doing another victory lap, Batman pulls a kill bill uses a crazy technique to get out of the gravestone, uh, his coffin, and climb up to the top of the surface with his keys. Apparently, he also had time to restore his parents' graves. Um, (laughs) Bruce, I don't know if that was a priority at the moment, but okay. Um, Don't worry about the how. I also love how Alfred checked in. He was just like, where have you been? I... I didn't know where you were. It was just like, you didn't hear him get his ass kicked this entire time? Or like, check the graves? Right. Like, Shame on you, Alfred. Come on, man. Yeah. He 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 was mad he didn't get a raise. Um, <laughs> he was like, I'm just leaving behind. <laughs> while Batman sh- takes a quick shower to get all that dirt off of him, Cyborg shows up on scene to Diana and pretty quickly realizes what she's seeing some illusion and tries he might he can't automatically snap her out of it with just talking and in one of the low-key most gruesome scenes of this movie wonder woman again she still does not know for sure that cyborg isn't cheetah rips off cyborg's arm and is like Mm -hmm. my bad i'll try to heal you later for this bro no, you just ripped off a person's arm and you were not 100% sure they were your enemy. What the hell, Diana? Especially, you know, if it wasn't, and it's not, it doesn't even get a pass because it's cyborg. What if it was somebody else? Legit, any other person. Non-superhuman. Diana, come on. Right, they get one of those Naruto plant arms? Like, what are we doing? <laughs> uh, so... This time now, um, Cyborg is able to figure out that he needs to use a certain sonic frequency to disable the nanites that he's using his x-ray vision on to get rid of the nanites that is um, in Wonder Woman's head. He's also in communication. Um, Batman's calling up everybody. He's like calling up the entire Justice League because he's trying to see who um, who needs help, who's, who's like, what's happening with everyone. And this is where he's hearing from every single person the situation that they're in. Um, as he connects with Cyborg, this is when, um, after Cyborg is able to get rid of the nanites, he, he talks with Cyborg and Wonder Woman. 
tells them to get back up because they got to save the entire Justice League because they're all under attack from him. Oh, yeah, I love that line. Justice League yeah. isn't attacked by who? By me! me. It's, it's a great... That That's just what you show in the previews. Um, and I, I love... In this montage of him going and trying to save the Justice League from, from everything, first of all, when he contacts Martian Manhunter, how? <laughs> like, isn't he on fire? Like, what communication device is that fireproof? Um, so he's racing to, to Martian, but he also tells Flash, are you far away from an iceberg? Flash is like, I ain't far away from nothing, bro. But uh, yeah, I'm tired. <laughs> so, uh, off his shoulder. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I love the cockiness. I love it. So Flash runs through an iceberg, um, and is able to slow down the molecular way the bomb works long enough to get to safety and um, prevent himself from blowing up. Meanwhile, Wonder Woman and Cyborg get to get to Martian Manhunter in time, inject him with a cure. This man needs eight months paid vacation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Everybody else, I had a rough day. But my man was burning for like an hour. (laughs) And in water. That was the worst part. (laughs) Nah, give my man some vacation time. So Batman goes personally to see to Green Lantern. And Green Lantern is still in there. Um, He is just still just distraught over the fact that Carol, this version of Carol, is dead. Um, This is when Batman comes up to him and basically shocks him out of it, tells him, hey, what you did... What's happened here wasn't your fault in any way, shape, or form. This isn't even, and none of this is even real. And Batman proceeds to grab the head of the dead body of Carol and rip it from its body, revealing it to be an android. And this is where I was just like, this movie really just don't like robots. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, because that was that was graphic. I wasn't expecting that. I didn't even I've seen this movie countless times and I did not remember that. And I'm still I was so shocked just seeing basically the robotic spine of this dead body just come out. And it was wild. It was a Mortal Kombat fatality, basically. <laughs> <laughs> so this is when Batman explains to Green Lantern that he was actually hit with an altered version of um of the Scarecrow's fear toxin. It was just enough to make him believe that everything was real because fear is the natural enemy of will and this is when green lantern he offers green lantern the answer though because he was like nope i'm good because now i understand truly what's going on my will is back and as they're flying out this is when green lantern asks, like yo who do you think could be doing all this like how do you think that we could have been like set this such an elaborate plan. Star Sapphire is smart, but not this smart. This seems too intricate. And this is what Batman reveals to a team member for the first time that um, it's him. This is, these are his plans. These are everything that's been happening to the Justice League is something that he's put together. Yeah. And Green Lantern doesn't even have time to react because they got to save Superman's life. Mm-hmm. And I love this incredibly graphic surgery in the middle of the street that they do 
where Cyborg has a kryptonite blade. Martian Manhunter shapeshifts his long fingers to reach out the bullet. That looks so painful, but <laughs> it works. Superman is all good. And now that they have all the league restored, Batman comes clean. He says he made a bunch of plans to neutralize all of them, but they have been altered, so they are now deadly. Though I have questions about how some of these plans were not fatal, I will... <laughs> I do like Just the with my boy, Martian Manhunter. Exactly. How is that never going to be fatal? Like, come on. Don't, don't tell me. That one is that is like, except that one. I, that one, I would kill them. Um, <laughs> but he, he makes a solid point that, you know, he if any of them betray the League, if any of them are mind-controlled, they need a backup plan to neutralize any one of them. So he does make a good case, and it even does seem like a couple of members of the League can get what he's saying, and they kind of understand him, um, where he's coming from. And as a backup uh, kind of conciliation, he mentions that if someone stole the files to his plans, they will have... Um, there's a bug in the program that makes the files call out to him. So now he knows exactly where to go to stop the bad guys. Yes. And the entire Legion of Doom are basically prepping for Vandal Savage's plan. The, the rocket has been prepped that will be sent flown out to near the sun and as they're doing so, they, Vandal Savage is just once again going through his plan, talking through like how they're going to, um, you know, take care of everything. And I do love there's one moment, I think it was during this part in which um, they're celebrating again and, you know, they're like thank, thanking Vandal Savage, not only for his hard work and taking down the league, but also because his check's clear. And as they hear this grand plan the justice league enters and they immediately know it's on site with the legion of doom as once again every single hero goes in to take down their counterpart superman versus metallo wonder woman versus cheetah green lantern versus star sapphire um we got martian manhunter versus malafa ek we got batman versus bane Flash versus Mirror Master, everybody is getting to work. But more importantly, we get newcomer Cyborg, who's also joined the team, who's decided to take on Vandal Savage. Is that a weird matchup? Yes. Did I enjoy it? I'm not too sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it basically amounts to Cyborg getting stabbed in the back. <laughs> right. <laughs> with a sword. The sharpest sword in history, I assume. Um the space sword from Avatar. And uh, <laughs> I also love when he gets stabbed after it. Later, he's like, I got stabbed in the back. Are you okay? He's like, don't worry. I don't have much back left. <laughs> no, that's not an answer. All right? Like, you got stabbed in the back. That, that looked like it hurt, bro. Right. Um, you called out in pain. <laughs> there And, like, there's, there's pros and cons to the whole battle. Like, I love the little Easter egg of Martian Manhunter shape-shifting into a Starro-like creature mm -hmm. um, in the middle of the battle. And then I'm torn because Superman goes back to fight Metallo with no protection. Like, you knew Metallo was here. Like, why would you yeah. just not prepare at all? 
I, I didn't. Yeah, that was something I was also upset about because it was just like, also, this would have been a great opportunity to switch up the um the battles between everybody. Like we've more or less everybody's fought against the person here. And now it's like, okay, cool. We're just going to, y'all just going to fight again to just for pride. It's like echoing back out kind of what happened in the beginning where Superman was like, I need to fight against Ace because, you know, for, for glory. And it's like, nah, just fight against different different per- people so that happens um batman also gets like molly whopped again by by bane who is again just as menacing and eventually it seems like our leaguers are about to be taken down but thankfully you know either quick thinking or you know people just decide to unlock that next level in their power-ups they are able to turn the tide yeah and Curious design choice to make Bane's venom red. Um, because yeah. when Batman yeah. does the thing he literally always does with Bane and knocks out his tube, um, the Bane blood goes everywhere and it looks like he's bleeding, but it's like, no, it's venom. Looks like blood. Looks like a lot of blood. <laughs> <laughs> like Batman out here cutting ephemeral artery. Like, come on. <laughs> oh my god, it is it is terrifying. Um yeah, everybody pretty much wins their matchups. I love particularly as soon as Green Lantern, he has this very emotional the storyline Green Lantern goes through is very like solid overall because he looks he rescue stops his girlfriend, depowers her, and basically goes, I'm so sorry that I let this happen. And Wonder Woman's immediately like, You done crying? We gotta we gotta go. Like <laughs> solo players about to destroy the earth. I don't know what you're doing here. So with eight minutes to stop the solar fair. Superman flies into space, blowing up rockets. And it's a fun animated sequence, I will admit. Watching Superman fight against these rockets, desperately hurtling towards the sun, is thrilling. It's fun seeing how he stops them all. But he can't stop every single one. And the solar flare begins. Mm -hmm. So at the same time, Green Lantern is calling out to Superman on comms, asking him, like, hey, where you at? Where you at? I'm going to try and come and meet you. Superman kind of pulls a Batman here and tells him, like, just need to, I need to focus any time to, for you to just back off. Eventually, as the Soul Flare is making his way back, Superman decides to fly back to try to see if there's anything he could do on Earth. This is where he passes by um, Green Lantern, who decides to set up a construct shield to stop the solar flare from hitting earth as the rest of the league decides to figure out what is their best course of action and that plan comes from newcomer of the justice league cyborg as he shares that much like in the beginning of our films really coming full circle he has now hacked into vandal savage's computer and has figured out that the um the device that the royal flush gang was using to make the um, make the wall to the museum intangible is something that the Legion of Doom was planning to do for their entire building. So he dis- he deduces that if he's able to raise up the intangibility device and also give it more power, it might just be enough to make the entire Earth intangible. And hearing this plan, the Justice League goes to work as Hal is trying his best to hold up this construct of his will to make sure that it can buy the League enough time to assemble this device. Yeah, I just want to mention, I love this, one of my favorite lines in the movie, 
happens here where Superman proposes moving the earth and Batman goes, mm. if I had a week, I could explain all the ways that wouldn't work. <laughs> <laughs> um, hilarious. I also love how they're stealing the plan from Danny Phantom. Yes. Uh, the Danny Phantom finale. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> where a meteor is hurtling towards earth that a villain failed to stop. And they make the whole earth intangible with ghosts. Uh, <laughs> I mean, if it worked for Danny Phantom, we'll see. I guess it kind of worked for the Justice League too. Yeah, I it works. Um, and yeah, Green Lantern, his shield eventually breaks, but I'll I'll give him full credit. He held Earth down for a long mm-hmm. time, so no shame in Green Lantern holding back a solar flare solo with just mm-hmm. his willpower. Um, and they the plan works just in the nick of time. They make Earth intangible. They make Earth intangible. Everybody on Earth is apparently cool with it. Like, <laughs> I would be freaking out. <laughs> yeah, where I was like looking around, they were like made the stars like really visible, and I've been like, holy shit, this is not okay. Why am I seeing a star on my hand? Yeah, and I'm sure it would cause a bunch of problems if everyone wasn't intent made intangible at the same time like mm-hmm. people get stuck on the floor like jumanji but you know <laughs> it all works out um <laughs> vandal gets life in prison without possibility of parole okay it's a funny joke but he's gonna get out um <laughs> <laughs> and now it's just the question of what does the justice league do now mm-hmm also, just a quick shout out again to Green Lantern, who um, added a count to his W count. Um, you know, we had the L count going for quite some time for him. I think this, oh, yes. this yes, I think we, we he, gets, he gets a little number on the other side. So now the Justice League are meeting in the Watchtower. They are talking through Batman's present. They welcome Cyborg as the official member of the Justice League roster. And now it's time for the... Um, the rest of the league to talk through whether or not Batman should be um, removed from the team. And at this moment, before they make the decision, Wonder Woman brings up, shouldn't we let Batman defend himself in any way, shape or form before we actually come to a vote? Batman basically tells them, look, no matter, even if we went back in time and did this, I had knowing all the information, I was going to do it again. Honestly, we need to be put in check. We are too powerful. Um, we're too powerful of beings. If anybody on the Justice League ever went rogue, we need plans in place. You can't blame me for the fact that the plans were altered to the point where y'all could have been killed. But you do need to recognize that we are too powerful and we need to have contingency plans in place so that in case anything happens, we can, we can nip it in the bud. To which everybody just basically just says, come on, have we not learned anything from the last 73 minutes of this film? Yeah, and it... it, I was like, I got it. Yeah, so this leads into Superman um, asking... Basically, Batman just like says that... um, you know, if y'all can't see that we need to have a system of checks and balances, then I don't want to be a part of a team that acts like that. Basically, he quits himself. He doesn't want to put it up to a vote because he knows how it's going to go. Now he said that, but he figures I'm not going to get fired. I'd rather just quit. And it's like, I'm 
hopefully the I was going to say that maybe the Justice League has severance pay, but let's be honest, Batman is literally bankrolling this entire league. So <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's he's good. And now we go into the final moments of our film where Superman and Batman have a conversation to determine, are they going to remain friends after this or is this the end of the world's finest? Yeah, and I do like, um, yeah, I do like the the tone of this goodbye where basically um, Superman says, you know, it's messed up, but I do trust you to do the right thing. And he asks, like, you know, I noticed that Bane's contingency plan didn't work because you obviously didn't have one for yourself. So what is your contingency plan? And Batman says the Justice League, mm-hmm. which I hate to ruin. <laughs> <laughs> but it. when you really think about it. So, yes, metaphorically and, and emotionally, I like the idea that the Justice League is meant to stop Batman. That's great. But since he has contingency plans to defeat all of them, does that mean like he can't be defeated by the Justice League? Technically, like, it really does. It does. <laughs> Even if they wanted to, they couldn't. <laughs> Again, we know that Batman with prep time is a dangerous villain. <laughs> yeah. So that's the note we end on. Um, a meaningless promise from a billionaire orphan. <laughs> <laughs> and I do like to think when they beam Batman home at the end, they beamed him like to Detroit or something just to mess with him. <laughs> like you go walk, homie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you never seen Dakota before? <laughs> <laughs> that's dang. That's where Static Shock came in, and that's when he's like, "I'm just gonna recruit a whole new team." There we go. <laughs> All right, so that wraps up our film. Now, before we give our sweet or sour rating, um, we're going to hack into Batman's computer real quick to find out what was on his listening history as we hear an ad from one of our Forgotten Entertainment family members about a show that you should be listening to next time you're not listening to ours. Hello there. General McMillan. I was expecting a podcaster of your abilities to be a little older. Anders, you're shorter than I expected. No need to be so uncivilized. I'm Anders, that's Colleen. Join us along with our co-hosts Daniel and Flo for yet another Star Wars podcast because the internet can never have enough nerds talking about Star Wars. This season, we're headed hopefully briefly back again to the edges of Tatooine's Dune Sea to explore the new series Obi-Wan Kenobi. We'll search our feelings for what we know is true, that changing your first name from Obi-Wan to Ben is the most effective cover story in the history of the galaxy yet another star wars podcast is available wherever you get you podcasts and is proudly part of the forgotten entertainment family all right that was our movie a little wrap up now it's time to figure out that when this movie came out in 2012 is now approximately 10 years old now over the last 10 years, has this movie remained sweet or has it soured over time? What do you think, Andrew? This is, uh, this is, uh, I was on the fence because there's no avoiding it. This movie is so dumb in a lot of places. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a lot of little plot things you could poke a hole at. There's a lot of little dumb idiosyncrasies and stuff. Um, so, when I was really thinking about it, I sat with it. I ultimately said, 
this is a stupid sweet movie because <laughs> despite it being very dumb in many parts what i do like about it is that the and the setup could easily have sunk the movie like we know 20 minutes in what's going to happen we know all the vil- all the heroes are going to suffer they're all going to fall in some way but what makes it interesting is that each one of their individual stories is interesting in a in a way you know it's like wonder woman they're like you don't really need a deep story with wonder woman so we're not going to give you one we're just gonna put her in an interesting scenario superman Mm -hmm. it's another great scenario where superman can't walk in and punch it he has to talk through a situation and that backfires and you get green lantern his whole arc is probably the strongest individual story. But Flash's is interesting, and Martian Manhunter is interesting, and Batman's is interesting. So everyone has a really compelling and interesting story that you want to see to the end. None of, nothing wraps up cleanly in this movie <laughs> at all. But it, I think you do have a fun time. You have some strong animation. You have some fun fights to look forward to. Um, and if this is one definitely turn your brain off um but i think you'll have a sweeter time than you would have sour uh that's my feeling how about you yeah i agree i went with a sweet movie for this one um mainly because i love the dynamics between um some of the characters and that's actually more from the villain side to be honest (laughs) I i just think that the the villains really did some work on this one like they really i feel like they really moved along the story pretty well the voice acting was great i'm still shocked that some of the the cast list and the members of this and i also thought it was a good story to like for the league to be tested on again bane's parts were all of my favorite i just thought that was just some great stuff there i was like yo we need a bane movie and then realized the dark knight rises exist <laughs> um <laughs> It's like, I feel like, yeah, it's like going back in time, you realize it's like, oh, yeah, the, the, our requests are being answered already. And so, Batman and Robin, don't forget about that Bane movie. Oh, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> the, <Batman laughs> the one with the bat nipples, of course. Yes, because that is what I demanded the last time I saw a bat costume. <laughs> um, but overall, um, the only fault that I saw really in this movie, though, was the ending. I think it came together too quickly. Um, I think mm-hmm. Cyborg not having to be accounted for, not having a contingency plan against him, you serving as the, um, the what is it called? The Duas Machina. Mm-hmm. So him being in there, I feel like just gave the Justice League extra help in a lot of ways. And him figuring out the plan of how to save the Earth was so convoluted that I'm surprised that everyone gathered and assessed what they needed to do. And that was the fault that I had with it. It was just like the expectations of the capabilities because Cyborg explained the plan and then we just see everybody enacting on it. Like Superman and Martian Manhunter are connecting the right wires from the Legion of Doom building to their watchtower. And then also there's that one- Yeah, all the cables. Right. (laughs) Sorry. No, just like, you ever like- try to plug in an old printer and you don't have the cable but they had all these cables needed for this right <laughs> right there's no way that worked i regardless of how much power you have there's no way that you had a usb a port for a usb c one like it, no <laughs> so 
And then also it was like um, there were several scenes in which you saw like the Justice League messing around with computers. Like there's definitely a scene where Wonder Woman is like furiously hacking into Vandal's system to make sure that all the systems are operational. And I was like, how did how does she get access? How does she even know where to look? Um, so those moments kind of like took me out of it because I was just like, none of this stuff is really believable now. Um because it would mean that like somehow the Justice League had access to understanding how everything worked. And I feel like if a villain like Vandal Savage has been around for like 80,000 years, much like us millennials going through the age of computer, he probably has an understanding of setting up better firewalls than Batman. So it seemed weird that his system was that easily hacked. Yeah, he needs at least Express VPN or something. Some Norton antivirus. I don't know. Right? Something to help him out. <laughs> get something. Get some McAfee or something. <laughs> um, but yeah, overall, sweet. Um, I don't think there's really anything you can change about the ending like that. I think it's just because they had so much. There was been there was too much they had built upon already that would have been like, we need to just wrap this up quickly because we only have a few minutes left. And the rest of the movie is sweet. I think just the ending kind of wasn't as sweet as I wanted it to be. And that's really just it. Yeah, I think my uh, my artery alteration is kind of similar to where you were going. How Cyborg is this just complete savior of all the time. And I love it. However, mm-hmm. to be more organic, I would like I would have liked for him to you know, some just have a better connection because they do set them up well at the beginning. They're like, oh, yeah, go through the the petabytes of data or something. I would have liked for him that like maybe be proving himself to the league in a way. Right. Like they're like, oh, no, you can't. We didn't call you because you're not ready. So just sort through the data. And then, you know, when Wonder he saves Wonder Woman, that's like he first gets recognized as a hero. Mm-hmm. and And then you have it lead up to this big thing at the end where he saves the day like i think giving him a little bit of an arc would have helped um him feel more natural um but besides that yeah all the other like little dumb plot things kind of give the movie its charm honestly um Mm -hmm. just the fact that bane could have killed batman in a hundred different ways but was like let's try the one way where he could get out of it is just great it's just fantastic yeah so all right so this movie is certified sweet then um (laughs) we got a good one here with justice league doom and now it's time for that comic book knowledge what inspired this movie where did it come from what major differences we had and most importantly what are the wtf moments that um didn't really translate over to film so uh, this story is adapted again. It was originally written on um, screenplay, is written by Dwayne McDuffie, but it's adapted from the Tower of Babel story arc written by Mark Wade in the, um, the JLA series. It covers issues basically 43 that was released in July of 2000 to um, issue number 46 that was released in October of 2000. And it's currently listed as number 14 on IGN's list of top 25 Batman stories of all time. Whoa, whoa high praise. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It was praised because of the fact that it was saying that it was a good Batman story that really showed his um, capabilities as well as his paranoia, which is, again, when you're talking about Batman, you must talk about that paranoia. 
Um, so the main plot of the story that held, that took place in these four issues is very similar, um, but there are some really big differences, especially when it comes to the villains of the story. There's no Legion of Doom. Oh, okay. There are no rogues. There's no rogues gallery of the JLA that come to fight against them. There's no Metallo shooting Superman. There's no Bane throwing Batman into the um, into the into the grave. Nothing like that. And most importantly, Vandal Savage doesn't even make it a, a single appearance in the story whatsoever. Oh wow, that's a big change. And who who's in this? <laughs> yes, um, our main villain is Rachel Ghoul. Roz, okay, that makes prefer that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that makes just as much sense. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, they really lean into promoting him as that eco terrorist that they tried to do, like during the um, like the early two thousands, kind of like also in the um, in the Christopher Nolan Batman era, where it's like that eco terrorist goal of his. Um, same thing. He saw humanity as just plaguing, um the earth um he leans into very much it begins with him trying to um to basically create a a place where the animals who might be going extinct could have an opportunity to to repopulate themselves unfortunately it just leans into more of him realizing that like they're never going to be able to do this because of humanity so he decides that he needs to take them out one by one and he realizes upon talking with his daughter that, um, you know, like, you know, it, the only reason why his plans have been stopped in the past is because of the Justice League. So this time around, Talia is the one who actually steals the plans from Batman's computer. And he, uh, like, again, he only works at the League of Assassins because he has, like, thousands of them on deck. And he's really just trying to make it just like Vandal was um, take out a certain amount just to make humanity, the human race a bit more manageable on his end. And his whole plan doesn't involve a rocket, a solar flare, none of that stuff. He instead works with a scientist to create a tower. And from that tower, he controls everything. And in that tower, it emits a signal that first changes the way that people are reading words so everything becomes scrambled everybody realizes that they can't read anything that everything's just off in the different places and then he cranks up the power enough that it changes the way that people hear and speak hence the reason why the tower babble name for the comic because again it's like the um biblical story of that tower being made and this is why people are spoken in different speak are speaking in different languages so that's where the Tower of Babel came from. Um, eventually, Babel then started to become adopted by DC fans as a way to talk about a way to take down the hero because of the way that the um, because of the iconicness of the story. Um, so for Flash TV series fans like ourselves, um, not so much like a season seven and eight, though. <laughs> <laughs> that's for another but, podcast. Yeah, <laughs> <for> another- <laughs> <laughs> but in season um in the earlier season, I think they're in season four with their episode with the thinker and eventually then calling it out in season seven, they do establish a, um, a code phrase called the babble protocol, which is a way to shut down the hero. Should anything go wrong, whether it be, they go to the wrong side of things, their minds get taken over all of that. 
So the next set of differences in the comic that I'll be discussing, I'm just going to be referring to it as the JLA member and their battle protocol. Um, so first two characters we have up are Aquaman and Plastic Man. Neither of them are in the film, but they also get affected by the um, by Batman's contingency plans. Uh, Aquaman wasn't in the film, as I mentioned, but his battle protocol was similar to Green Lantern's. So Batman figured out that by altering Scarecrow's fear toxin in a way, it might make Aquaman aquaphobic. Oh, and... God. <laughs> so in this continuity, he is so he can't um, because he needs the water to survive upon becoming aquaphobic. His body slowly starts to die because he doesn't want to get into the water or even drink it. If even a drop heads his way, he's like, oh, hell to no, and, bat- and just like runs away. Uh, Plastic Man was another non-film presence. Um, I think we actually did see this a little bit in our Injustice movie. I'm sorry to bring that up again. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Uh, Plastic Man gets hit by a liquid nitrogen bullet that freezes him solid, and the shooter then takes a sledgehammer and smashes him to pieces. Damn. Yeah. They are able, though, to gather every piece of Plastic Man, and they're able to assemble him back together. Flash is able to put him back together, and eventually he does come back to life. That's literally cold stuff right there. (laughs) You had to do it, didn't you? Had to. Had to. Uh, Martian Manhunter's battle protocol is the same. He's covered in those nanites that um, coats his skin in magnesium. And as soon as his skin touches the air, it immediately lights on fire. But the cool change that they did was in order to bring Martian Manhunter back in the game, Aquaman um, has Volko, his advisor, bring him up an aqua suit that they put Martian Manhunter in and that protects his body from the air. Okay. Yeah, I was like, that's a good plan. So I was like, okay, we can move along with that. And then Green Lantern in this continuity for the comic is actually Kyle Rayner, not Hal Jordan. And um, this time around, as we know, Kyle Rayner is a graphic comic book artist. So a lot of his constructs are basically what he likes to draw and see what he likes to draw. So Roz's protocol is to change in the protocol is to actually just make him blind. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, and he does so. Ah, right. Can't see. Can't construct. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he does so by... Um, so Kyle Rayner is worried about wearing his Green Lantern ring as he sleeps because he's worried that his vivid dreams uh, from his comic book creations will force his constructs to come to life, terrorizing the city. So his people took the ring, put it back on his hand, and gave him a like hypnotic message to make it seem like he is blind. And as soon as he takes off the ring later on in the comic, that's when his vision starts to come back. So basically they were, they were able to take out Green Lantern. Hmm. Wonder Woman, same thing. Um, she had those nanites put into her head. The main thing that they did do though was a major change was that instead of her fighting against Cheetah, they had her fight against somebody else in her mind who um, was a tough enough opponent for her And instead of fighting a person in real life, they actually um, have her completely immobilized and her body is just reacting 
to the um to the fight leading to once again her possibly ending up getting a heart attack and die or aneurysm because of the fact that her body can't hold up against the strain for this extended period of time flash this was a major change instead of a bomb being strapped to flash's wrist he gets hit with a special kind of bullet and this bullet hits him in the back of the neck and connects with his speed force so that now he just experiences seizures the entire time oh god yeah it was really bad (laughs) Like, I think he mentions that, like, he thought that he was out for days just having seizures the entire time. But then when he, when they were able to help him, they're like, this is when Martian Manhunter reveals to him. It's like, no, you really only had it for about, like, 22 minutes. That's just insane, though. Mm-hmm. Now, finally, the moment we're waiting for, the wtf moments of the book um we actually have two today because oh, all right yeah i was i was a little worried about this one um mainly because i was like end goals are crazy so first we saw in the movie batman's parents grace were desecrated their bodies stolen by Raish. um so Raish takes him over to this tower babble that he's created and now he's talking with Batman and he's using this op- as an opportunity to distract him from jumping into save the league since he will know how to save everybody. And what he does is that he takes the coffins and puts them over a Lazarus pit. And he's using this as a way to say that I'm going to test to see if the Lazarus pit is powerful enough to bring back people from the dead who have been dead for this long. Damn. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah, that's the psychological game for Batman, all right? <laughs> um, eventually, Batman says no. He tries, to, he tries to defeat Roz, but unfortunately, it does not work out too much. Like, he does need the rest of the league, which includes our next WTF moment. The next leaguer is Superman, whose Babel Project protocol is honestly the scariest thing I've ever seen in my life. Again, there's no Metallo. He doesn't get shot by a kryptonite bullet. Instead, it deals with kryptonite though, as Raish alters the half-life of a piece of red kryptonite, so that when it's presented in front of Superman, the alteration isn't that he gets angry, it's that he's in immense pain, and it makes his body, his skin, translucent. And because of this, because of now his skin being thinner, he absorbs too much solar energy, causing his powers to increase exponentially, his pain because he's basically getting sunburned the entire time, And more importantly, because his powers have increased, he can't control them, making him a true threat to the entire world. And the main reason why this gets a WTF for me is because of the fact they actually drew Superman with translucent skin. That is sick. I love it. (laughs) Put that in the movie. (laughs) This is what you wanted. (laughs) This will make it PG-13 for real. (laughs) But yeah, those were the uh, major differences. Again, story-wise, plot was very similar. The game plan, the overall stuff, similar. Um, Batman ends up leaving because um, even though some people... There is a very great philosophical debate afterwards where Batman explains um, there's a certain villain in the past in which they connected with that gave Batman the idea of the Babel Protocol um, in which he was like, they got taken over. But then everyone talks about like whether or not we should let Batman um, leave the team. Some people say yes. Some people say no. Green Lantern says that he should stay. 
Wonder Woman's an absolute no. I believe Aquaman was also, uh, he was like actually pretty fine with it because he understood the reason why. Um, but it was ended up being tied up with Superman being the swing vote. But before Superman could actually give his vote, Batman decides to leave because he's like, he knows how his friend is going to vote and he knows it's going to be against him. So he was like, I'd rather not give him the opportunity to say it out loud. And ultimately, those are um, things from that kind of translated over to our film. I don't I wouldn't say I would take any stuff from the comic and put it into the film just because it's like it probably will make it a bit more unbelievable. Like I think the film did like a natural idea of some of these things. Um I think yeah, especially the uh translucent skin. It'd be fun to see for a quick second, but I think I'd be freaked out if I had to see it for more than five minutes. Hey, you know what? Instead of translucent skin, they did a translucent planet. So, you know, it all adds up. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. That is very true. <laughs> oh man so yeah that's our that's the comic book knowledge that's our film um and that wraps up our episode as we keep on going for our sweet and sour season um with next time we were just talking about this hero superman we're going to talk about him once again as our sweet and sour season continues on with the batman superman show (laughs) yeah i've never seen this one so i'm excited to either harshly judge it or praise a hidden gem Oh, man, I actually don't really know what to say about it right now. It's a good story, (laughs) but I think it might have soured over time, to be honest. But we'll see what happens. Um, But until then, take care of yourselves and remember that if you got things on your computer that you don't want people to see, um, I guess delete your browser history or get a VPN or at least like get like a password protection encryption key on your stuff, at least. And if you have a group of friends that could go rogue at any time, make sure you organize plans to take each one of them down systematically. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, glad to know we're both on the same side with that. Good. (laughs) (laughs) Just don't take me down. (laughs) (laughs) It's called the the Teen Titans Go Protocol. We'll find out later. (laughs) 